You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number six of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong, and here with us today is Robin Grable. She spent just shy of a decade as a sailor in the U.S. Navy, our first Navy person today, before transitioning to the business world. Among her roles in business that she held was a 15-year stint with ADP. That is the giant payroll processing and HR technology company. Today, she is the founder and CEO of Veterans Ascend. It's a company that's doing some really interesting things to link veterans with employers and the business community. We're going to dive into that in today's show. And if you are in the service now and thinking about making a transition, or if you work for a company that's trying to hire veterans, you are definitely going to want to stick around for that. And with that, let's get into it. Robin, welcome to the show, ma'am. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, I always like to get right down to business. The first order of question is, why did you join the service? So I grew up in a little town of Indiana. Of course, it, it wasn't as little as some little towns, but it felt little to me. Couldn't afford to go to college. My stepfather wouldn't allow us to sign the FAFSA form, so I couldn't even get funding for college. The Navy recruiter happened to come to our, my high school one day and said, join the Navy, see the world. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. So I did. Yeah. And then what did you do in the service? Where did you go? What was your job? So I was so anxious to go in and just be ready right out of my graduation from high school that I went in undesignated. And at the time, what that meant is I didn't have a specific job I was going to yet. So I went through boot camp, basic training, went to a couple of uh, training schools, and then I got my first duty station assignment. And it was there that I got to pick my job. Prior to that, though, in between boot camp and going to Iceland, which is my first duty station, I actually got picked to be an assistant company commander, which was a really cool assignment. Right out of boot camp, they brought in new recruits that had just graduated to become uh, company commanders and teach the next set of recruits coming in because they didn't have enough female instructors. So that was a great assignment. But when I got to Iceland, which was, I, I didn't even know where Iceland was when the, uh, recruiter told me that's where I was going. And I, I got there, beautiful country. If anybody uh, has ever planned to go, it's absolutely beautiful. But I'm 18 years old, never been really out of Indiana. The first time I'd ever been on an airplane was to fly from Indiana to Orlando to go to boot camp. I get there, I had to pick a job. And so I got, I kept being told, no, you can't take that job because you're a female. No, you can't take that job because you're a female. And I got very frustrated with the fact that I, it wasn't because I wasn't strong enough. It wasn't because I wasn't smart enough. It wasn't because I wasn't tough enough. It was simply because I was a female. So I ended up settling, although it became a great career for me, data processing, which at the time in 1979, um, you can imagine was not as a prominent career as it is today. So, so yeah, so I went to Iceland for two years uh, and then kind of flip-flopped back and forth with a cold duty station to a warm duty station, but Iceland was fantastic. Yeah, that sounds great. I always have to chuckle whenever, uh, you know, you get some army folks or Marines in the room with the Navy and the Air Force and they trade about where they win. And, the, you know, the army sends you to like Fort Polk and 
<laughs> and the Navy gets to go to Iceland. So, you know, you may have already hinted that a little bit, but one of the questions I'd like to ask guests is, what was your worst day in uniform and what was your best day? So I have to say my worst day was probably the very first day of boot camp. As I mentioned, I had never been on an airplane before. When I flew from Indianapolis to Orlando, my ears didn't adjust very well. So I had a horrible, horrible imbalance in my head that night. Well, the first morning you're in there, you have to go through your physical testing. So that was really, and I was away from home. I missed my family. I, I think I cried the entire day. That was the worst day in my career. So Yeah, that's one of the, I think, the, the character building traits of the military. You take someone that you just, you have all of these experiences that are crammed into a tight deadline. You know, somebody from a small town's never traveled and suddenly you're, you're off to boot camp, not feeling well. What's the, the, the inverse of that? What's your best day? What was your best day? Honestly, I have to say every day after that, I loved wearing the uniform. I loved being in the Navy. I was so proud of it. I remember um, at one point leaving or going um, on R&R, coming home for a couple of weeks and getting a notice that I could not wear my uniform on the plane because it was a time of turmoil or whatever. And they didn't want uh, service members being targeted. So they told us not to wear a uniform on the plane, which really made me sad. So loved every day while I was in the service. Not every day was great. Uh, not to make it sound like I had a cushy, you know, great nine year, nine plus years, but I loved being in the Navy. I just, it, it was a great career. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did almost just shy of 10 years. What would you say are the the life or the leadership lessons or the skills that you learned in uniform that have helped you throughout the subsequent parts of your career? I think probably the biggest thing I learned for myself was that I was strong enough to handle whatever came my way. It wasn't always like that throughout my childhood. So I think the Navy gave me that confidence in myself. It also, the, the experiences that I had being a female in the military at that time gave me the platform to be an advocate for others and to help others. It, it, throughout my entire Navy career, it was always about helping others and being advocates for the underdog. So I think that the service taught me that it was okay to be that, that that was a special assignment for me. And that's what I was was put here to do. So. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about then your transition. So as we mentioned in the intro, you did almost 10 years, not quite, I guess that's kind of the 10 years, kind of the magical point. Why did you decide to leave the service? So what were the circumstances there? It was a consideration. I was actually, I'd left Pearl Harbor. I'd been in Pearl Harbor for three years. I had orders to the Monterey Weather Station in California, but in the meantime, I had to go to programming school in Quantico, which was a, a wonderful assignment. But when I left Pearl Harbor, the admin there did not have me sign my reenlistment papers before I left, which is always a requirement, especially if you're going to any type of training, additional training that gives you skills. They didn't have me sign my papers and I didn't think anything about it. I got to Quantico and went through COBOL programming school and started my Fortran programming school. And in the meantime, I found out that um, the two years previous to that, I had put together a package to go up for an officer program. And I worked really, really hard on that package to become an officer uh, because funny enough, I thought, well, if I, if I become an officer, I can change the Navy. I'm tired of hearing that's the way we've always done it. It's the way we'll always do it. 
uh, I thought I could change the world. Um, and pretty much what Navy, the Navy instilled in me, but I didn't go, I didn't get accepted to that officer program because the year that I applied and sent my package in, they didn't rate any data processing limited duty officers that year. So I got really, really disheartened. Um, and um, there were other some, there were some other circumstances that, that kind of made my decision, but the instructor came to me one day and said, you either need to sign your reenlistment papers or you need to get out. I took it as a sign that I was meant to make a change. And I, like you mentioned, going over the 10 year mark, I was facing four years. I, I was my reenlistment. That would have put me at 13 plus. Mm-hmm. And at that point I would have stayed for 20. So facing that, I was also a single mom at the time. So, you know, just kind of all came together to say, this is my opportunity to uh, take what the Navy's taught me and go out and, and change the world outside of the military. Mm-hmm. And then what happened next? What's the cliff note version of your career um, leading to where you are today? Yeah. So the first thing that happened is I'm fearless. I thought I just served nine years, nine plus years in the Navy. I can do anything. Mm-hmm. The Navy's taught me that I can do anything. But when I got to Jacksonville, Florida, where I ended up living right out of the Navy, I was basically told, you're a female, you can get a job as an administrative assistant because no one will understand what you did in the military or why, as a female, you were in the military. And so it was a tough lesson. I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. But as I mentioned, a single mom, I had to put food on the table. So I got a job as an administrative assistant and worked my way back up. Fast forward a few years while working for ADP, I was finishing my master's uh, in psychology and I was in a chat room with some classmates and the lady said, uh, my husband's been out of the army for six months, can't find a job. He's getting depressed, feeling worthless. I don't know how to help him. That hit me wrong. It just sparked something in me to say, this just can't keep happening. So I built my way back up after the Navy through many various roles in HR, including the many years at ADP, and then finished my master's and started down the path of really focusing on veteran employment. Why there is such a disconnect, why veterans can't be reviewed on their skills that they bring to the table and to an organization, and why it's so difficult to make that connection. So uh, that's what uh, got me to where I am today. I started a traditional recruiting company to really just kind of do some some research that led me to create Veterans Ascend. Mm-hmm. And so what is Veterans Ascend? So Veterans Ascend is an online employment program that's basically eHarmony for veteran employment in its very most simplistic terms. Veterans create a profile. We translate their military occupation into a set of skills They can edit those skills. So if they don't want to do what they did in the military, they can take out skills that were primarily associated with that occupation. They can put in skills if they've got some civilian experience or other training that they want to include. They put in their career preferences, where in the U.S. they want to work, what their availability is, what their salary requirement is. That's it. No resume, no applying for jobs. We really want them to focus on their skills what skills do you bring and, and, and not take them for granted because a lot of military take their skills for granted. A lot of people do as well, but military especially take their skills for granted because in the military, it's never about you. It's always about the mission, the team, the unit, the country, et cetera. So, and then on the flip side for employers, we kind of reversed the hiring process to make a really direct connection with the untapped talent pool of the military. Employers create an unlimited number of job profiles 
They pick the exact skills they're looking for. One of the main issues for employers is job descriptions. Small businesses don't necessarily have them. Larger businesses have them, but they're old and outdated, or they're simply <clears throat> just a task list. You need to answer the phone. You need to lift a box that's 25 pounds, rather than the skills that go into that job, the inherent skills that they need that person to have to be successful. The employer set the location of the job and the salary range they're offering. They hit save. Our algorithm goes out and searches our database and returns the top three candidate matches to each one of those employer jobs. The employer reviews those matches, unlocks the contact information, calls the veteran for an interview. It's that easy, that simple. Yeah. So that's really interesting because you had mentioned there's no resumes with it. You know, I don't think any business function wants to change. Nobody's saying, yes, let's change the way we work. But, you know, when I think about HR, I think the resume has been such a staple of how that business function gets things done for so long. That seems like a pretty big leap. So what's been your experience with that? It is a big leap something I'm not afraid to, to take on because I think it's important. If you ask a thousand people, they'll tell you a thousand different ways to write a resume. There's no standard. There's no, no really true template that can help anyone be truly successful in getting the attention of an HR person. For the military, it's even more difficult because less than 1% of HR professionals have any military knowledge to help them understand how that veteran skills fit into their organization. So when they see a military resume that's full of acronyms, that's full of really military jargon, they don't know what to do with it. So as humans, we tend to avoid what we don't understand. So they put it aside and they don't ever get to an interview. That's if the veteran can even get through the filters because 95% are filtered out when applying for jobs online. So so it's it's really a matter of what what do you need to know about this person in order to bring them in for an interview or bring them do a phone interview or bring them in for an interview. And what they really need to know is the trust of I need to know what your skills are, I need to know where you're located and I need to know if your salary lines up with my salary range I can offer. I'm basically Veterans Ascend is really building that trust connection so that Right off the bat, those three questions are answered. So you don't need a resume. You don't need to know that I did three years in Pearl Harbor. I did two years in Iceland. And here's the tasks I accomplished in those years. You need to know what skills I have so that we can have a conversation about how my experience lends value to your organization. So that's the barrier that we're breaking there with resumes. I did have one employer at one point say, I really need the resume because the skills profile that you're giving me is just words on the paper. I don't know what any of it means. I'm like, but that's the same thing that a resume is. So it is a huge culture shift. However, there are many examples of big companies out there that are moving away from using resumes because they're so difficult to understand, because there's no standard. And they're really going towards just doing initial kind of blind interviews, which is what we're facilitating. It's really interesting to hear you talk about, you know, if your resume even gets past, you know, the screening or the filters. And my observation in business, and I've worked in businesses of all sizes, HR has just become over-reliant on technology. People aren't looking at resumes. They're getting evaluated by a technology. You upload your resume and it's screening it for keywords. And if you don't have the right keywords, you get rejected or you don't even get a look, even though you may have 
different words that describe the same skill, just the language that you use is different. And I think that's especially hard for the military because as, as everyone knows, we have a language onto our own, you know, with acronyms and skills. So I, I mean, I, I think that's just fascinating. Here's the really tough question is, does it work? <laughs> it does work, fortunately. What we're facilitating is the connection and that interview opportunity for veterans. We right now have a 90% match rate, meaning that every job profile that's put into the program, they'll get instant matches 90% of the time, and they'll continue to get matches. That changes every day based on the number of job profiles we have in the program. Our unlock rate is about 85%, meaning that the matches that we do provide, and as the employers review those, they're unlocking every match 85% of the time. So, and that's what we're facilitating. So it does work and it works very quickly. Uh, an example of that is we had an employer sign up. We typically will send, once the employer signs up and does their subscription, we'll send out a welcome email. Now, the employer signed up, created their account, created multiple job profiles, received instant matches to those profiles, reviewed them and unlocked the contact information and called eight veterans for interviews within one hour. It was so fast that we didn't even get a chance to send out the welcome email. Here's how you set up your account. Here's how you do your job profiles. They had already done it and had interviews scheduled within the time it took us to get back to them. So it's that fast and it does work. That's very impressive. And it's good to hear that you're getting those kinds of results. So this has got to cost money. You know, how much does it cost for veterans? How is Veterans Ascend earning money? Sure. So it is completely free for all service members, veterans, guard and reservists. No cost to them at all. Uh, it takes them about 10 minutes to complete their profile and that's it. They're done. We do all the work, the rest of the work for them uh, up to the interview point. For employers, we have three different levels of subscription. So based on their hiring needs, we have our Victor level is a $200 a month at this point and gives them a certain number of unlocks per month. And that's, that gives them 20 unlocks per month. And then we have a medium range, which is our Echo level, and that's $700 a month. And then our Tango level is $1,000 a month to unlock 200 both the Echo and the Tango levels can be a shared subscriptions. So if you've got a medium-sized business where you've got maybe two or three different hiring managers or recruiters, you can share that subscription model. So, And we'll work with businesses. So if you've got some unique needs, depending on the locations, we've got a very large employer that just signed up last week that has multiple locations across the country. So we can design a pricing model for a business to fit their needs as well. Yeah, very clever. So obviously you're using the the phonetic alphabet and Victor Echo Tango spells vet in case anyone missed that. <laughs> exactly. So I kind of bring this this conversation to a close. You have, you know, a lot of experience in HR. You've worked for a, you know, a, a large organization. I think ADP is a Fortune 500. It is. They're definitely a big company. In all of the years that you've been doing this, what would you say are the top things, the skills and experiences that veterans have that businesses overlook? I think the first one that is kind of taken for granted is a situational leadership. It's kind of put in those terms because as veterans, as we look to go on deployments and on missions or even just be assigned at a duty station, you're always looking for how you can lead either as a single, uh, you know, person that you're a contributor or you're leading a, a troop of people, 
you're always looking at the situation. So there's situational leadership that a lot of employers take for granted and veterans do as well. The other thing is learning agility. Veterans are always in training. We're always learning something. And so we bring that learning agility and that open-mindedness to an employer. Because the reality is every employer works differently. It doesn't matter if you're in the, if you're a manufacturing company in the same manufacturing industry. If you're manufacturing car seats, you're doing it differently than the next person who's manufacturing car seats. So your business runs differently. But you need people that bring a learning agility that can learn how you want your business to run, how you want your employees to work within your business. So I think they really, employers need to see that that's a skill that you know people take for granted and, and it really is fine-tuned in our military. Dedication, you know, that's an easy one to say, not necessarily overlooked, but taken for granted that veterans bring that sense of pride about what they're doing. But what happens is that veterans don't get employed into jobs that utilize their skills that they're proud of. And that's why the turnover happens. So employers really need to take a look at it and veterans too. Find careers that utilize the skills that you're passionate about, that you are proud of, that you're happy with, because that's going to put you in a position to not only grow, but be more productive, be happier, stay with that company longer. So I think it's that understanding what that is and, and making sure you're making choices accordingly. So that brings up a good point about you know keeping veterans once you've hired them. Let me put you on the spot a little bit and ask, in your experience, what are things businesses can do to help facilitate that transition so that the time, energy, and investment they put into hiring veterans, you know, pays off and they tap into that dedication and, and retain those employees? What are some things businesses can do? Sure. So, and I think a lot of this applies to non-veterans, non-military as well. But one of the first things is really to understand what the expectations are of the job, because the military is used to having a set of expectations, having a goal, a mission that they need to accomplish, knowing that if they don't do steps one, two, three, four, lives are on the line. So they come into a, a civilian career with the same mentality. I want to know what what do you expect out of me and clearly define that. So that's kind of the first thing. And it's really, again, it can be related to non-military as well. People want to know what you expect out of them. And to start there, bring that onboarding process. Don't let people sit around. Veterans don't like to sit around. There's always the thing as you get in the military, hurry up and wait. Yeah. But we really don't like it. Right. Right. Because we are go people. It's we're here to do a job and we want to get it done. So the worst thing that can happen is you hire a veteran military person, they get onboarded, and for the first week of their job, they don't have a computer, they don't have a phone, they don't have an office, they don't have a set of instructions, and they sit around. It's just really bad for anybody, but particularly military. A good thing that employers can do is create veteran resource groups. They're easy. They're not expensive. They don't cost. You could do one without any money, really. But it's really just to gather a group of veterans within your company already, have those mentors, have those resources so that if an HR person has a question about a resume or a profile, they have somebody they can go to. But it's also a safe place for a veteran to go to and ask questions like, What's the culture? What do I do about this? We're used to a chain of command in the military. 
there isn't always that clear chain of command in civilian companies. So it's a great way for military to be able to talk to other military within an organization. Yeah. So those things will, I mean, you start them off on the right foot, you give them the kind of a resource group to talk with and kind of camaraderie with, and then give them room for growth. Because also another thing in the military is we know what our growth pattern is, right? You always know if you're an E2, what you got to do to get to be E3, E4, E5, same thing in the officer ranks. So that needs to be clearly kind of defined for veterans as well. And they'll stay, they'll stay longer if those things are put in place. Yeah, it's a great point. You probably already have veterans in your organization. They've gone through this process. If you ask them to to help you put together a transition program, they would volunteer in a heartbeat, I'm sure. Absolutely. Where, where Robin, someone has a question about Veterans Ascend, they want to ask you a question, tap into your experience, network with you. Where can people find you online? So first of all, our website is www.veteransascend.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Our label there is Veterans Ascend, as well as LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn page, which is Veterans Ascend also. We also have informational pages where you can find our blog and our podcast that we do as well. Uh, And those are employers.veteransascend.com or veterans.veteransascend.com. So a couple of resources there to, to find us and definitely connect with me. Love to help out wherever I can. Look forward to uh, connecting with folks. And we will definitely put links to all those in the show notes on bootsaboutbusiness.com. So, okay, Robin, thank you very much for your service. Thank you for coming on the show. And, you know, also thank you for all the things that you're doing, uh, kind of making it your life's work, if you will, to help connect veterans and businesses. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate the time today. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here.